and welcome back to Koala Moon, a podcast of original children's bedtime stories and meditations designed to make bedtime a dream. Woohoo! Sunny's just run up to me with an epic list of shout-outs today and some fresh, exciting news about the read-along Hector and Sunny book. Do you remember it? But first things first, the list. It's a long one, and as always, wonderful to see so many of you joining Coco's Club. Thank you today to Maddie, Elena, sisters from Florida, Lola, Lily, Selwyn, Emerson, Marin, they're all siblings, Leia in BC, Canada, Alexandra Rose, Lucy from Sydney, and Alice Ruth Wundell from London. We are so happy you're with us for the year, at least and hope you now enjoy all the weekly bonus episodes and other perks of the club. Speaking of which, do you recall the brilliant read-along Hector and Sunny book that we made a few months ago? Well, it's usually only for Coco Clubbers, but Sunny and Hector were very good at convincing us to be generous this Christmas time and make it available to everyone listening as a special Christmassy treat. We all know that there's a bit more time to rest and relax during the Christmas holidays, when grandparents and family often come to stay. So, if an adult wants to download it to their iPad or phone so you can read along together and press the special effects buttons, just follow the link in the show notes. Merry Christmas! Before we begin, a quick message for the grown-ups. If you'd like to support our podcast, enjoy ad-free listening, unlock four bonus stories per month, and much, much more, you can join Coco Club. Subscribe in just two taps via the link in the show notes. But now, here's a quick word from our sponsors. <laughs> okay, back to tonight's story now. Let's hop into bed and get nice and relaxed. Breathe out. And as you breathe in, maybe stretch and move around and then uh, sigh as you breathe out again. Lovely. I get really comfy. We're soon going to meet a little boy named Elliot, who is on the lookout for the perfect pet. He wants something a little more unique than a cat, a dog, rabbit or hamster. So, he heads to the zoo to look for an alternative. Do you think he'll succeed in his mission to find the best pet ever? Let's find out. This is The Search for the Best Pet Ever, by Jane Thomas. We think it's time, said Elliot Elmwood's parents, one damp and grey Saturday morning, when the world seemed to suggest it would never stop raining and nothing would ever be lovely again. Elliot's whole body quivered with excitement, Could it really be true? He looked at his mother's face and over to his father's face and both were smiling down at him, nodding their heads. Look how well you've looked after your little rosebush, said Elliot's mother. It's looking absolutely beautiful. If you can keep a plant alive for so long, it's surely time to get your first ever pet. Elliot looked across at Robert and grinned. He'd named the rosebush after his father's suggestion, not really understanding why a plant named Robert was quite so hilarious, but 
His father had laughed and laughed when he'd agreed to it. His mother had rolled her eyes and refused to refer to the rosebush as Robert. And so the three of them pulled on their waterproof coats and waterproof trousers, their Wellington boots, and grabbed their umbrellas from the stand in the hall. With a lot of rustling of waterproof material, they left the little house they called home and headed out into the rain. Elliot's mother walked along, twirling her umbrella over her shoulder, holding Elliot's father's hand. With his free hand, Elliot's father held his umbrella and fended off a thousand imaginary dragons and foes as they headed along the path. And Elliot turned his umbrella upside down and floated it in the giant puddles, watching the wind make it skim across the surface and racing to the other side to gather it up and carry it along to the next puddle. So in this way, which is, if you think about it, quite an energetic way of walking, they followed the path through the woods and along the stream, and out, out until the stream became a river. The river flowed by fields where sheep grew heavier and heavier as their wool soaked up more and more water, and cows picked their way carefully between the puddles in search of the finest, freshest blades of grass. A family of swans paddled slowly upstream, heads down against the driving rain and pushing their way firmly against the current as they headed towards their favourite fishing ground. It took a full half an hour of walking and puddle jumping an umbrella twirling and dragon slaying to reach the huge blue gates of the zoo. But it went by in a heartbeat for Elliot because he knew for the first time ever that on the other side of those gates waited his very first pet. He had no idea which animal he would choose because he'd barely ever believed this day would come, so had given it remarkably little thought. Elliot hopped from one leg to the other as he waited for his father to pay for their tickets. He tried peering past the entranceway to see which animals they would meet first, but he couldn't quite make out what the sign said. He took his glasses off and rubbed the raindrops from them, putting them back on to find a much less blurry world and a sign that promised it would send him first of all to Africa. He immediately imagined walking a lion on a lead in his local park, and Elliot's heart gave a little hop of excitement. Right, said his father at last, tickets in hand and ready to be fed into the little slot in the ticket barrier. To the animals we go. Elliot's mother went first, getting her umbrella tangled up in the barrier and needing a full two minutes to break it free a full two minutes, during which Elliot thought he might explode with impatience. Elliot went next, the hood of his coat catching in the same barrier that had snarled up his mother's umbrella, and he had to stand there and wait while his father reached over and rescued him from the trap the barrier had set. And Elliot's father went last, glaring at the barrier, as if to say... He would accept no nonsense from the contraption, popping his ticket in and marching through with no problems at all. He gave a little celebratory smile and called a satisfied ha at the barrier over his shoulder. 
lunging at one final imaginary dragon as he walked away from it. Elliot's mother was fluttering a map and trying to establish the best route around the zoo, but Elliot had spotted something and, grabbing her hand, pulled her towards an animal that excited him more than anything else ever possibly could. This was his dream animal. He knew in a moment this was the perfect pet. This would change his life forever. Aren't you absolutely sure, darling? fluttered his mother. He's awfully beautiful. I'll give you that, but really, where would we keep him? My dearest, darlingest, most delightful boy, we may need to think this through. His mother was prone to flights of fancy and being slightly dramatic and speaking in such over-the-top ways. Impossible, muttered his father, for his father was prone to talking in individual words if at all possible, and expressing himself with grunts and a single raised eyebrow. Possibly, because after many years with Elliot's mother, he'd learned he could only get a single word into the conversation anyway. The elephant in front of them trumpeted loudly, reaching forwards with its long trunk to play with Elliot's hair. He sniffed all around Elliot's face and tickled him under his chin. But he's wonderful, said Elliot, getting the giggles as the elephant's trunk found his tummy. He's absolutely, definitely, completely the perfect pet. Elliot's parents exchanged a look. They would have to work in unison to convince Elliot that the elephant was far and away from being the pet which should accompany them in their tiny terraced house. Dung said his father at last, the single word hanging in the air for a moment before his mother picked up the idea. Yes, dear, dung, elephants do produce rather a lot of it, don't they? Look, this sign says they can create up to a hundred kilos of dung a day. I mean to say, darling, although it's terribly good for the roses, I'm not sure we can quite accommodate a hundred kilos of elephant dung every single day. Elliot reluctantly conceded they might have a point. He wasn't quite sure what a hundred kilos of dung looked like, but he knew he weighed 25 kilos. The thought of having to organise the equivalent of four times his body weight in dung every single day possibly made the elephant a slightly less perfect pet after all. Reluctantly, and a little sadly, he patted the elephant's trunk by way of saying goodbye. The three of them followed the arrows and passed by many other enclosures. Elliot looked at hippos and rhinos, hyenas and giraffes. But something inside him said that No, these probably weren't what he was after. He worried for a moment that he would never find the perfect pet. And then, there it was, lying beneath the tree, looking him straight in the eyes. There, he said to his parents, 
pointing across the field. Under the oak tree, there is my absolutely, definitely, completely perfect pet. And I don't think you can say otherwise. Oh my, said his mother. Nope, said his father. Elliot sighed. Go on then, he said. Tell me, tell me what is wrong with having a lion as a pet. Well, dear, said his mother, desperately skimming the sign for some information about the lion. She breathed a sigh of relief as she found what she needed. I imagine, my darling boy, that you want to spend as much time as possible playing with your pet, don't you? But lions, dearest boy, will sleep for nearly 20 hours a day. And if they've had a big meal, they may very well sleep for the entire 24 hours. Obviously, if it wasn't for all the sleeping, a lion would make a perfect pet indeed. She trailed off and left her husband to take over. Ridiculous, he said, raising an eyebrow. Elliot sighed. He had to admit they had a point. He loved the idea of spending every waking moment with his future pet, playing games and becoming the very best of friends. Feeling a little sad, he waved goodbye to the lion and they set off through the zoo. And so the three trundled on, passing by flamingos posing gracefully on one leg, and armadillos who rolled themselves up into balls and rolled down slopes, and seals who showed off by balancing balls on the tips of their whiskered noses. It was when they reached the North American section of the zoo that Elliot saw the animal that he was sure would make the perfect pet. His stomach gave a little flutter of excitement as he imagined running through the woods with it and snuggling up to it at night. He stopped in the middle of the path and announced to his parents that this time he really had found absolutely, definitely, completely the perfect pet. Elliot put his hands on his hips and dared them to find a reason to disagree. His mother and father stood and looked into the enclosure, opening and closing their mouths like goldfish. They desperately skimmed the sign, looking for a solid argument. Finally, his father found it. Nocturnal he said. Elliot's mother clapped her hands with delight and relief. There, dear, see? It says quite clearly, grizzly bears are nocturnal in the early spring and summer. Now, darling, I can quite see that a grizzly bear would really make a, a wonderful pet indeed. But isn't it such a shame that they're only awake at night for half of the year? The bear looked at Elliot's mother and yawned. He stretched his enormous paws, scratching himself, then stood up to his full nine-foot height and let out a roar. Goodness, fluttered Elliot's mother.
Ridiculous, announced Elliot's father. Elliot just sighed. The grizzly bear did seem a little big and more than a little noisy, and maybe he wouldn't be the perfect animal to snuggle up with at night, given that he'd want to be out hunting instead. Reluctantly, he accepted that this was not his perfect pet. Elliot was beginning to think he'd be stuck with Robert Plant the Rose for the rest of his life. His mother and father noticed him looking a little crestfallen and skillfully steered him in the direction of the zoo's cafe, coaxing a smile out of him by buying a frankly enormous slice of chocolate cake and setting it down in front of him. Elliot was determined to stay a little bit sad, but it's incredibly difficult to be sorry for yourself when a slice of cake appears the size of your own head and it's all for you. By the time he'd licked the last of the creamy frosting off his fingers, he was ready to head out into the zoo again and start up the search once more. Maybe you should consider something a little more, well, conventional, darling, said his mother. You know, dearest boy, there's a lot to be said for hamsters and guinea pigs and rabbits. Quite, agreed his father, giving a brisk nod. Elliot had played with his friend's pets many times and seen hamsters spinning round in little wheels and watching guinea pigs making nests out of egg boxes and stroked rabbits and admired their long, soft ears. They definitely seemed like worthy, sensible pets, but he knew in his heart of hearts that he wanted something different. He wanted a pet that announced to the world that he, Elliot Elmwood, was out of the ordinary. And he could hardly do that if he went into school on Monday and told people he was now the proud owner of a goldfish. Elephants were out. Lions were out. Even grizzly bears were out. Elliot and his mother and his father moved on to the aquatic area of the zoo. Elliot walked past fat seals lazing on rocks, saw crocodiles lurking on the edge of pools, and in the distance could see penguins waddling around importantly. Finally, in the middle of a vast tank, he saw the perfect pet. There, he said proudly, pointing out at the creature in the water. You can't deny that is absolutely, definitely, completely the perfect pet. His parents looked at the dolphin dancing through the ripples on the water, and for a moment their hearts leapt at the thought of having such a pet but they were ultimately sensible people and well aware of the confines of their small terraced home and knew that, unfortunately, a dolphin would not be coming home with them today. Listen, dear, said his mother as soothingly as possible. Although the dolphin is, of course, a terribly beautiful creature, I'm not quite sure it is the perfect pet after all. 
Look, this sign says that in the wild, they have almost a hundred square kilometers of sea that they'll call home. And that's a lot, my darling boy. That's an awful lot of sea. How much sea is that exactly? She said, turning to her husband. Eight thousand soccer pitches, his father said promptly. For as well as being a man of very few words, he was also something of a maths whiz and had rapidly worked out how to express a hundred square kilometres in a way his son might possibly understand. That does sound like an awful lot, Elliot said in a small, sad little voice. He mentally hung up the hoops he'd been imagining and forced himself to stop thinking how fun it would be to ride on the back of a dolphin every day after school. If he was going to get the perfect pet, he was going to be the perfect owner. And that meant ensuring the animal was as happy as possible. As lovely a thought as it was, a dolphin wouldn't be happy in his paddling pool. They'd now spent many hours walking through the zoo in search of the perfect pet, and all three of them were starting to lose hope. As they came towards the final area, Elliot read aloud the sign. Rescue an animal today, he read. Look, there's a special place for rescuing animals. Maybe we'll find one in there. He pulled at his mother's hand, and she trotted after him, his father following close behind. As they were about to enter the centre, the rain finally stopped, and the sun peered out from behind a cloud. A huge rainbow spread across the sky. It's a sign, said Elliot's mother. Look at that, darling. It's definitely a sign that something wonderful is going to happen in the Animal Rescue Centre. Impossible, murmured Elliot's father, as he too thought that it was very odd indeed that the rain had stopped at just that moment, and such a glorious rainbow had appeared at just that time. They walked into the centre and Elliot's face lit up as he saw colourful birds fluttering their wings, and kittens rolling around on cushions, and sleeping hedgehogs rolled up safe and warm. He walked past each one, imagining what life would be like with that animal in his world, and kept tearing himself away until he stood in front of a large glass tank, and knew somewhere deep inside, that this was his perfect pet. There, he announced to his parents, there is my absolutely, definitely, completely perfect pet. A tiny creature with the cutest smile and bright blinking eyes looked back at him. Elliot's father pressed his hand against the tank and the creature swam up alongside. He was almost exactly the length from pinky finger to thumb. Elliot's mother pressed her hand against the glass too 
and Elliot saw that the creature's six fluffy little branches growing from its head were the same colour as her bright pink nail polish. Isn't he wonderful, said Elliot. Isn't he adorable, said Elliot's mother. Incredible, said Elliot's father. The axolotl smiled and paddled his little legs, the six fluffy little branches, which were actually gills and not branches at all, floating around his head as if they were dancing in delight. Can we keep him? asked Elliot. I think he's made for you, darling, said Elliot's mother. Definitely, said Elliot's father, who picked up the tank and walked with it across to the till. Elliot and his mother rushed through the shelves, picking up everything from a miniature stone castle to a beautiful green seaweed forest to add to the tank and give the axolotl something to explore. I knew the rainbow meant something wonderful was going to happen, said Elliot's mother as they stepped outside into the sunshine and started their walk home. Elliot's father, proudly carrying the tank and pretending for all he was worth that it really wasn't very heavy at all. When they reached home, Elliot cleared off a corner of the table in his bedroom and the axolotl in his tank were put carefully in place. It stood next to the rosebush that Elliot had so carefully tended for so long. But what shall I call him? asked Elliot, suddenly struck with the absolute importance of getting the name just right. How about something like Ace, suggested his mother. Ace, the axolotl. It has a nice ring to it, don't you think? Elliot wasn't so sure. It wasn't quite right. Archie, he tried. Arthur, Alex. None of them worked. The axolotl smiled at him and blinked, waiting to be named. Elliot's father cleared his throat. <clears throat> Axel, he said. The axolotl nodded. Elliot leaned towards the tank and tried the same name again. Axel, he said, and softly tapped the glass. The little axolotl swam swiftly over, pink gills waving softly as he swept through the water. You're right, he said. That's his name. Elliot's mother rolled her eyes at his father. I know what you've done there, she said, looked at the little creature named Axel that stood alongside a rose. His father shrugged and smiled, enjoying the little joke. Elliot had no idea what they were talking about, but was absolutely, definitely, completely happy as he snuggled down into bed that night with the soft glow of the water tank lighting the far corner of the room. Axel had taken himself inside the castle to sleep, 
dragging in some of the softer pieces of seaweed to join him, and Elliot pretended that he too was lying inside the walls of a castle in the softest floating bed, and he drifted gently into dreams that were filled with wonderful days learning everything that would make Axel happy, determined to be the best pet owner the world had ever seen. He dreamed of dolphins and elephants and flamingos balancing on one leg and hedgehogs rolled up into tight little balls and made a wish on the brightest star that everyone would know a day as wonderful as this.